What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Yep. We are socially constipated. This is Gridiron Grunts. We are here to recap what, week eight, I suppose, of the NFL season, get you into week nine. We're very nearly halfway through the NFL season. A lot of the pictures are starting to come into focus. Lots of news. We're recording this on the evening of the NFL trade deadline, so we'll have some things to cover there. A lot of things starting to take shape as teams get ready to make the playoff push as the weather gets colder. So it was a crazy, crazy weekend, Seth. I learned a lot. One of the things I learned is that a lot of my takes are awful. <laughs> I, I did so poorly in Pigskin Pick'em that I, you'll hear about this later in the show. I have, I am going to completely adjust the way in which I make my picks. Um, so certainly more to come on that. I was shaken to my foundation by oh, all no. of the wrong that I was <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> I decided I needed a complete refresh. That, all the injury news, all the upsets. It was, it was a weird, wacky one. It kind of felt like Mercury was in retrograde this weekend, and I, I know I know you felt that on Sunday night, but in general, it was a strange, strange week of football, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. A lot of backups winning football games, which, you know, I felt the wrath of, you know, the cherry on top on Sunday night, Cooper Rush. But, yeah, weird week. Some of our teams that we were kind of high on coming into this week were maybe, uh, you know, put down a little bit in terms of the, the ranks, and other teams are sitting strong atop the, the league now. It's interesting. It, I think with certain teams, and, and we'll get into the recap so we can get more specific in just a second, the top of the league seems very muddled right now. You can make a case for a lot of teams as the best in the league in both conferences. And so it's it, it looks like the second half of the season will be very interesting, and, and teams are going to be playing all the way through for seeding, especially since it's just that number one seed that gets the bye week in each conference. So shaping up to be a get pretty hot down the home stretch here. feels weird that we're not quite halfway through the season, even though the trade deadline is gone now. So lots of trade talk coming up, lots of recaps of the games. Of course, as usual, we're going to get you prepped for week nine, highlight a couple of bets maybe to make as we preview those games. So we better get into things here so that we don't go for six hours on this. Before we do, want to remind folks, get out there to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. All of our social media profiles, all the episodes from all of our shows out there. You can go out there and comment, join the mailing list, come an anchor wanker and Wanka. support the show. Really appreciate y'all engaging with us uh, and supporting us in whatever way you choose to do that. Also, one quick note too, probably as of recording, I'm not certain whether or not I'm going to put out the episode from last week. We recorded one, but I didn't get a chance to edit it. So at the very least, it's coming out crazy late and I don't anticipate a lot of people listening to it. So you may hear us reference some things that we talked about last week and we're aware that there's a pretty good chance you haven't heard those. So we'll try to call that out when it happens. Uh, and there, I think there's only a couple key things, but hopefully we'll be more consistent on the schedule here another weird week last week but anyway we got to jump into things here take a look back at that wacky ass week number eight let's get into our game recaps that just happened that just happened did we win all righty big game one of the biggest games of the week thursday night football this was in arizona cardinals were hosting the packers and the packers handed the cardinals their first loss of the season there will be no unbeatens in the 2021 season. Cardinals fall to 7-1. Green Bay ties them at 7-1. 24-21 victory 
for the Green Bay Packers. The stats here were not impressive, but this was an incredibly impressive game for the Packers. Rodgers had uh, 184 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, who all of a sudden look like a very scary, is maybe the word I would use, uh, running back tandem, which I, I don't think anybody saw coming a couple of weeks ago. They split carries, went for 130 yards combined, and Aaron Jones had a touchdown. No Devontae Adams in this game, so Aaron Jones actually led in receiving seven car- catches, 51 yards, and Randall Cobb continues to be clutch. Two big touchdowns, even though he only had 15 yards. For the Cardinals, pretty paltry sat line as well. Kyler Murray, 274, no touchdowns, two picks in this one. So that Green Bay D was getting after him. Chase Edmonds scored on the ground, and James Conner had two more touchdowns on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins left this game, came in and out. At one point, I'm told he he came into the game without the permission of the coaches. <laughs> yep. uh, only had two catches in this one, dealing with a hamstring. He doesn't have an injury designation right now, so we'll see how the practice week turns out. I don't think they are anticipating him missing time, but that has been a lingering hamstring injury to keep an eye on if you're a Cards fan. As I said, Green Bay's defense looked great in this. They sacked Murray twice, and they got three turnovers. Green Bay dominated time of possession in this, 37 minutes to only 22 for Arizona. Seth, short week for Green Bay on the road against the undefeated Cardinals, and that stadium was pumped up to see them. No Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard. Aaron Rodgers says, no problem. I got this. Takes him in, gets a massive win. This is one of those, I heard a lot of talk over the weekend and in the early part of this week. This is one of those wins, even though the stat line doesn't look like it, that makes you look a lot like an MVP when you go in and get one like this. I was infinitely Mm -hmm. impressed by the performance by Rodgers and the Packers here. I'm not going to take a lot of points away from Arizona, even though they've got some question marks and some injuries now that they're going to have to start dealing with as the season drags on. But the Packers, this was such a good one for, for Green Bay. Yeah, very impressive, especially with everything going on with the, the injuries and the sicknesses and you know having a 30-year-old Randall Cobb be the number one receiver on your team and losing Bob Tunyon in the middle of this game too with a ACL for the season. A lot of adver- adversity, and that team still found a way to win and not only find a way to win, but really have that game in hand for the majority of it. So big props to the Packers. I think they've kind of catapulted themselves to the one of the top two, three teams in the NFL. And we, you know, probably could have put, already put them there, but coming in there and and you know handing the first loss to the Cardinals on the road, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to say that there's too many better teams than that. So I still I don't think you can put down the Cardinals in any way. I mean, this is just a you know a tough fought victory by the the, the Packers. I know that Kyler Murray's a little bit banged up. Hopkins is a little banged up. So dealing with some injuries, obviously lost J.J. Watt for the season. So I, I you know, I think the the Cardinals will obviously be fine. They've been playing very, very well. But I think this is more of a statement for the Packers than anything else. And yeah, you know, like you said, Aaron Rodgers playing like the MVP, and probably at this point is you know could be the front runner again. Even though I doubt they'll give him back to back MVPs, he's really showing that the Packers would have been really stupid to let him go <laughs> if you know things weren't worked out by the beginning of the season. And he looks like he's having fun. I like the the post-game press conferences. He's just beaming, talking about how fun football is and how much he likes these guys and how this team feels different. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how the season goes on, but I don't think anybody wants to fuck with a happy Aaron Rodgers. We haven't seen no. it often, but that is not a situation. I'm going to Green Bay in a few weeks to watch my Rams play him, and I am nervous about that game. Yeah. So it should be a good one, but Green Bay looking tough and They're moving in the opposite direction as Arizona because Green Bay is going to start getting guys back, healthy, who have been hurt. Arizona, they're going to have to start dealing with this now. I I, I don't know yet. It's too early to tell whether Kyler Murray uh, will miss 
any time. But if he does, that significantly changes this Arizona offense. I don't even frankly know who their backup is, but I would be concerned, even at 7-1 and one, as an Arizona fan, if you were going to have a lingering injury for Kyler Murray. I, I think that significantly decreases their chances at a deep playoff run, although this is a very wide and deep roster talent-wise. So mm-hmm. whoever their backup is, or if it's a you know Murray at 70%, I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team, but you got to shift the expectations. So hopefully, if you're a Cardinals fan, Murray comes out of that injury pretty fresh and, and ready to be 100% pretty quick here. Yeah, it sounds like he should play. I know they still haven't had their bye yet. So it would be my my guess would be, because he's dealing with like a shoulder and an ankle injury. So my guess would be if they're going to try and get him to the bye and then let him rest up, obviously, on the bye and see what happens from there. If he does miss, I don't think that it would be super long. But hopefully for my fantasy team, he uh, you know doesn't miss. My Rams and my fantasy team would benefit from him sitting. So I think they should play it pretty conservative and uh, make the decision to to sit him down. But (laughs) we'll see about that. I don't know. Let's get to Sunday. Noon matchups, if you're in Central Time. Uh, We start in Atlanta. Big AFC South matchup. Weirdly, very weirdly, this has playoff implications, (laughs) this game. Atlanta versus the Carolina Panthers, who were visiting. Panthers end up getting the win here 19-13. to in Atlanta, an important win for the Panthers, who they've been dealing with their own struggles lately. Lost four straight before this one, so they get to four and four. Atlanta now three and four. Darnold, even though he got the win, was not much better in this. Uh, 13 of 24, 129 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Chuba Hubbard was fed often here. 24 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Darnold did run for 66 yards. I always forget how mobile that guy can be. DJ Moore, leading receiver, four catches, 59 yards. Just not a lot of offense here. Matt Ryan only had 146 yards for Atlanta. Touchdown, two picks. Cordero Patterson continues to be most of the offense. But Tajay Sharp actually led in receiving. Calvin Ridley, a late scratch on this one. We found out after he's going to be taking some time away from the team to deal with some personal, it's been mental health is, is kind of all we've heard. So we hope Calvin gets that stuff sorted out and can get back to football as soon as he's ready, but um, good on you for taking the time away when you need it. We can certainly appreciate that. Seth, not a not a game that I want to spend a ton of time talking about, but these are the these are our wild card teams right now. Carolina would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. They're still waiting on Christian McCaffrey to come back. This defense has continued to play pretty well. Maybe they have a chance to kind of resurge, but Atlanta's going to be clinging right behind them, even at three and four. It's crazy to think about, but they're right in the mix. Neither of these teams, I, I don't think, pose a real threat, but they are going to be in the mix. And, you know, puncher's chance once you get into the playoffs <laughs> as a wild card team. Yeah, they, uh, Panthers got Gilmore in this one, too. This is his first game since being traded there. So, and he, I think he had a pick in this one. So, he did, yeah. Defense is playing well, uh, and I think that's really the only bright spot of this team right now. We'll see McCaffrey comes back and adds something to the Panthers and, and maybe gets Darnold back on track. But Darnold hasn't looked great in a while. That, that offense just looks kind of broken. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, not a lot of hopes for them. But the Falcons have been playing tough, playing better than I thought. But, yeah, like you said, neither, neither of these teams are really big threats, I don't think. So we'll see what happens with McCaffrey. Maybe he adds something. But for now, neither of these teams are on my radar to do a whole lot come January. Watch out for some distracting wins, though, from both these teams. They both play poor schedules. So uh, they, either of them could likely go on like a three-game winning streak like we just saw from Atlanta or we saw from Carolina at the beginning of the season. No matter what their records are, don't get fooled into thinking these are complete teams. There's a lot better teams uh, that are by a wide margin better in the NFC. In the AFC, 
Let's head up to Buffalo. Bills get the win. Struggled, though, with the Dolphins for a majority of this game. Ends up being a big Bills victory, 26-11. Bills get to 5-2, bouncing back. They had the loss against Tennessee, then the bye week. So they're getting back into shape this week. Very poor first half. This was 3-3 three three at halftime. There was, like, no yards. But in the second half, Bill's offense got it figured out. Josh Allen finishes with 249 yards, two scores. He also ran for 55 and scored again. So big Josh Allen game. Cole Beasley, leading receiver, 10 catches, 111 yards. Big game for him. Stephon Diggs, who was in Seth's fantasy lineup, got into the end zone and crushed me in this one as well. Gabriel Davis got a touchdown. I don't know if this is his first game back, but if he can can really become a, a meaningful part of this wide receiving crew, that's going to make him all the more dangerous. He's been dealing with some injuries, been in and out, but nice piece when fully healthy. So we'll see if they can get him fully integrated. Dolphins defense played well in this one, but the offense continues to stink. Tua had 205 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Miles Gaskin only 36 yards rushing. Salvan Ahmed added 22. Devontae Parker continues to be a player that I think we're going to get to the end of his career and go, man, if he was on a better team. I still think he's so talented, but he had eight catches for 85 yards. Uh, Gasicki had three for 48. Dolphins stink. We thought that they would be making a move after this game for Deshaun Watson. That did not end up happening. So they're rolling two out at least for the rest of this season, but it doesn't to me look like anybody in that organization thinks that two was the guy. So unless he shows us something really miraculous in the second half, they're they're going to be shopping quarterbacks, and it looks like they'll have a draft pick with which to do it. So Miami definitely in the tanking conversation at this point. Bills, though, getting back on track. And, and before I throw it to you, Seth, Josh Allen in this game said something that scared the shit out of me. Because my knock on Josh Allen has always been his hero ball. And when he gets, like, overly emotional and, like, mad, he'll, like, try to force a, th- a play in order to, to like make up a mistake he made or whatever. And that's always when he, you know, gets embarrassed. And he said in the post-game press conference that in the first half he was playing very angry and knows that he wasn't playing well. And he had gotten advice from Phil Mickelson. He said that Phil helped him realize that being calm and even is actually the way to perform better, not to run on emotion. And so he went and got it straight over halftime, got relaxed, and then came out and played a lot better. If Josh Allen understands that he shouldn't be playing hero ball and and playing with all that emotion and sits himself down, calls him, calms himself down, and starts thinking his way through a football game, a lot of people are fucked. I do not <laughs> want to see that version of Josh Allen because even his crazy-ass emotional version is really tough to stop. If he gets a brain in that head, very, very scary. Bill's as good as anybody right now in the AFC. Especially coming off off of a bye and a disappointing loss the week before before the bye, I think that's probably the biggest issue with the first half is just kind of coming out a little stale. But they're looking great now. The Bills are, I mean, we've been saying it the whole time, they're, they're a top contender in the AFC at this point. The Dolphins, glad they didn't trade for Deshaun Watson, but at the same time, it's like they've only fucked Tua this entire time he's been there, whether it's the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff and, like, having him start some games and then pulling him in like a big moment for Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick and then this whole this whole offseason and now they've been talking about Deshaun Watson and not reassuring the kid in any way to me this is this is much more of a, a failure on the team like the the management and the coaching than it is to a, it's him, himself like I think the Dolphins organization might be one of the most them in Washington might be the, the the most poorly run organizations in the league. 
they're gonna have to do a fire sale this offseason they have good players on defense and it's not but it's just not showing that team is a dumpster and deserve at this point to they 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 deserve what they're getting because they just haven't managed anything well no wonder Xavier Howard has wanted to leave three times in the last 12 months hard to blame a guy for wanting out of Miami. Told, I told you, Seth, before the show that I, I very nearly started the show with a very long rant. Decided not to. Cooler heads prevailed, Josh Allen style. But I, I do want to make the points I would have made in that rant much more calmly. And and the, the Dolphins are an example of one of them. One of the mentality changes that I uh, am making as a result of what I'm seeing this last couple of weeks is to remember something that I used to say often and loud and I have forgotten lately. Most famously, folks who listened to the SoCo Sports Show a couple of years ago remember uh, that I said this about the Browns. If you're a loser, you will always find a way to lose. It doesn't matter how talented your roster is. It doesn't matter what draft pick you have. It doesn't matter, you know, how bad your division is. Losers always find a way to lose. Uh, it, it is it is impossible to not. It, you might win short-term things, but to actually be a good organization and be a winner, you can't you can't do it without a complete culture change. The Dolphins are an example of this. They've been a shitty team for what 20 years at this point, and I don't know what parts of that loser mentality are still lingering around, but they got to get everything out of there cuz they're just so shittily run. Let Devontae Parker get out of there, please. He he could have such a nice uh, career yet even still on another team. The Dolphins last year are Jacksonville from four years ago with Bortles. Like, ooh, they might get into the Super Bowl. They look so good. And then immediately they suck because of course they fucking do because they're losers. I'm going to cite this later with several other teams, but the Miami's the first one to come up. If you're a loser, you will find a way to lose. And they have found every single way to fuck up what otherwise was a nice player in Tua. I don't think they're ever going to get this figured out, so my hope for them is that they let him out of there and he maybe has a chance to go back back up someone else. I don't think he's a starter in this league. I haven't from jump. There's a lot of guys on this roster that deserve better spots. I wish they would have been more active at the trade deadline, but I'm afraid not. They're going to have to lamish in the Miami heat for a few months longer. From Miami, we go north to Chicago. Again, Losers find a way to lose. Chicago did that at home here, 22 to 33. The flip side of the losers always lose is winning organizations tend to find a way to win. And that's what the Niners did. And historically, they have been a winning organization. Niners get the win, 33 to 22 here. Garoppolo actually played pretty nicely, 322 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Eli Mitchell led the way on the ground. He had 137 yards, one score. And Debo Samuel was just glad that somebody else was able to move the rock. But he still did most of the work. 171 yards on six catches. He somehow managed like a 75-yard play that wasn't a touchdown. He got tackled at the two or so. It was not a great Jimmy Garoppolo throw that he dropped into the basket and went down with as he caught it. Uh, It was a screen play, and he had to break 10 tackles and outrun 10 other guys in order to get it. So Debo is earning all of those yards himself, continues to be the only weapon on that team. They they may get Kittle back this week, so we'll see. Bears, I think there were some encouraging signs for Justin Fields in this one. Uh, he had 175 yards, one touchdown, one pick, but he ran for 103 yards, including a really wacky looking touchdown. And when I saw it, I went, gosh, that looks like a really scared rookie running away from people. But he's so physically gifted that he gets away with that sometimes. And it was pretty cool to see that play and him getting pumped up in front of the home crowd. Khalil Herbert continues to play very well. He had 72 yards on the ground. And then Darnell Mooney was leading receiver, six catches, 64. Chicago stinks. San Fran's going to, they're going to flirt with a wild card spot. We'll see if they can improve and get healthy players back to to make something of a run. But 
I don't know. Not, not a lot for me in this game, Seth, other than Debo. Man, he's good. Yeah, I don't think either of these teams are really playoff teams. Fields has looked better in recent weeks. Still not doing a whole lot through the air, though. This offense is bad. Defensively, neither of these teams are looking great either. You know, this is the best game that Fields has played, and San Francisco is supposed to be this tough physical defense that shuts people down and they haven't been that at all this year they've been one of the worst defenses in the league this year and so I you know again I don't think either of these teams are very good Samuel's been a stud and that's pretty much it so I I don't think either of these teams are playoff bound I love living in a world where I don't have to take San Francisco seriously but watch them probably upset the Rams and fuck up their seating later Cleveland speaking of losers (laughs) Cleveland man they they continue to fall apart they lose 10 to 15 in what must have been the second most boring game of the season, the Steelers came in, get a win, 15-10 in Cleveland. For Pittsburgh, Big Ben came out, 266 yards, one touchdown. Najee Harris continues to be, uh, yeah, we, we've, we've kind of already given the rookie of the year to Jamar Chase. Najee Harris, there's an argument to be made, I think. Um, I, I would still go with Chase at this point, but Harris has done a lot on this offense. He had 91 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And then he caught three balls for 29 yards. Deontay Johnson, great young receiver, six catches, 98 in this one. So offensively, Steelers are just not really doing much of anything. But they find a way to win against this Browns team that inexplicably, ununderstandable to me, cannot fucking score points. I don't get it. Baker threw 225, no scores, no picks. Nick Chubb was back in this one. A little lighter workload, though. 16 carries, 61 yards. Dearness Johnson, who's been kind of a, a new flash for them, he did score. Jarvis Landry led receivers 5 for 65. Odell Beckham only had one catch. We thought he might be moved by the trade deadline. They did not move him, even though his dad was tweeting at him about how much Baker sucks. So that's going to be a fun locker room to be in for the rest of the year, guys. I Cleveland, I, I'm... They've got too much talent for me to say that they're cooked, but they, I don't know. They, I don't know what they need. I, I don't know what they need. I don't know how you fix this, but it's bad. And, and for the Steelers, they've all of a sudden won like three out of four games. Now, it was against the Seahawks, Broncos, and Browns, but Steelers at four and three right now, very much in the mix, right behind the Ravens and the Bengals. I, I don't think they're as good as at least the Ravens. Uh, I, I don't think they're as good as the Bengals either. So Steelers might piss some teams off, like we talked about earlier with like the, the Panthers, but I, I don't know that they're world beaters. Browns, though, Seth, I, can you figure out what, what the hell is going on there? Is, is there anything you see that makes it make sense that they're this awful? Uh, I mean... I think Baker having a fractured shoulder and torn labrum is a, is an issue. I'm glad you mentioned that. Why the fuck? Why play him? Why why do you not roll out Case Keenum? Is that what you would have done? I think I think regardless there, I think Baker is probably gives you a better shot than Keenum right now. I understand that you know Keenum's fully healthy, but he's. I just think Baker has more arm talent in general, and while you know Keenum won a, a Thursday night game against I can't even remember who they fucking played. The Broncos, yeah, they played. The, they they beat the Broncos with an unreal performance out of Ernest Johnson, who had 150 yards of their, I think, like total 300 yards. You know, so like that that one that seeing Case Keenum play, and he had he's had a couple moments, but he ain't he's if you unless you have the best defense in the league and a, a running game, which they do have a great running game in, in Cleveland. I I don't think they have quite as good of a defense as the Vikings did that year. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I think Baker just gives you, you know, as long as he can actually throw it, he gives you a better shot than Case Keenum. That being said, Odo Beckham sucks at football right now. He's just bad. 
there's there's still a chance that he gets cut. There's been talks of that. Um, and if he gets if a team were to pick him up on waivers, they could potentially be out on some some of the cap hit and blah blah blah. A lot of weird money involved there, but it's not with it's not outside of the realm of possibility for him to get cut and go to another team still. So potentially watch out for that. But he's bad. He is not good at football. And honestly, he hasn't been good since the year that he caught that crazy football, which was his rookie. Like he had a good year the next year. He hasn't been good since his second year in the league. So I don't know if we were just we saw his crazy catches and we're like, oh my god, he's the best receiver of all time. Or if he's been hurt that whole time. I don't know what it is, but. He's not good. With the Steelers, they're, they're like you said, they're like a team that just kind of hangs around. They have, a, they still have a really good defense, and that's something that's carried them through this year. Is that defense? Ben is not Ben anymore, but he's still apparently good enough to, you know, dump it off to Najee Harris and let him do his thing. I, I can't say that I think the Steelers are gonna win win a playoff game. Could they make it there? Sure, but neither of these teams are too impressive right now. Now, you mentioned that Steelers defense. They, they are doing the work. At four sacks, forced four punts, and recovered a fumble. I'm not afraid of Pittsburgh, but I definitely don't want to go, like, play them in cold weather anywhere and have T.J. Watt chasing my quarterback around. So, like, watch out. But, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. They're, they're just, they're just kind of figuring it out. The old savvy veteran leadership. Mike Tomlin is an incredible football coach. Like, that he he's likely to get this team to a winning record again and, and still have – never had a losing record as a coach of the Steelers for like the last 13 years or however long. Mike Tomlin's an incredible football coach. No matter what else they got going on in their roster, that's true. Speaking of incredible football coaches, Dan Campbell over there in Detroit, getting them all pumped up. They got their asses kicked 6-44 to by the Philadelphia Eagles. The big, bad, scary, terrifying Philadelphia Eagles hung a 40-point victory on the Lions. I see my earlier, I don't know, statement about losers being losers. And that's what Detroit is. And I'm, especially like with this loss at home against an Eagles team that you very well could have beaten, I'm over Dan Campbell. at the Like, I, I know it's probably sudden because I was so about him two weeks ago. I'm over it. It's not cute. Like, it, it, cool. Yeah, you cried and you ran a bunch of onside kicks. Great. Win a fucking game. Uh, until then, I'm not, I'm no longer enamored with, with Dan Campbell or any part of this team. Jared Goff also officially is fucking awful. He had... He has been for a while. 222 in this. No touchdowns, no picks. Um... But they couldn't get anything going. TJ Hawkinson had 10 catches, 89 yards. Even DeAndre Swift could not get it going. And this is a solid Eagles defense, but not one that's supposed to hold you to under 300 total yards. Jalen Hurts, they scored 44 points in this game. Jalen Hurts only threw it 14 times. He completed nine of those passes for 103 yards. Then he ran for 71. Boston Scott had 60 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Howard had 57 yards, two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell had 27 yards on 13 carries. They just ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, and Detroit must have just not thought, oh, maybe we should stop the run. So they got completely plowed over. Dallas Goddard led receivers, six catches, 72 yards. Nice win for the Eagles, I guess. Uh, this, I, I like this team. It's interesting to me. I, I, they, I think they pose a threat to some of the, the real teams in the NFC. You might see them upset and shake the seating up at some point in the year, but... I don't know, probably felt good for their offense to really get one off against just a fucking terrible Detroit team. There's a real chance Detroit doesn't win a game at this point, especially if you look at their schedule. Yeah, probably. As long as DeAndre Swift keeps catching passes uh, in most games, then I'm okay because he's on my fantasy team. (laughs) Both these teams are bad. Like you said, the the Eagles are playing kind of tough, but they're not a good football team right now. Lions definitely aren't. Neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Both teams are irrelevant at this point. 
And that's pretty much it. Six sacks for that Eagles D. Pretty easy to get Jared Goff on the ground. Let's go to Indianapolis. Holy shit, what a weird game this was. The Colts end up losing. They fall to 3-5 and five, uh, against the Tennessee Titans, who get to 6-2. and two. They've now got three games plus the head-to-head tiebreaker on Indianapolis. So the Titans are getting fitted for their division championship t-shirts. The biggest news didn't even come out of this game. It came the day after. Derrick Henry out, foot injury, broken foot surgery. You'll hear various things on the timeline. Apparently there's a chance he could make it back at the very end of the regular season for a playoff run. That would be very impressive uh, if he did from my understanding of of the injury and the suspected timeline. So Titans, they get the win on Sunday, but it's a tough week in Tennessee. They went and signed Adrian Peterson, who you and I are very excited about. I'll get to see him play in LA on Sunday night. But in this game at Indianapolis, Ryan Tannehill had 265 yards, three scores, but two picks. Henry had 68 yards in this. He did play the whole game, and the injury kind of popped up after. A.J. Brown, though, I think he's healthy. 10 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown. He looks crazy good. A.J. Brown's a tough motherfucker. He's big, he's fast, hard to tackle, great hands. Healthy him, and if they can get Julio Jones back to being healthy and being pretty effective... This offense can still be very scary through the air. We're going to learn a lot about Ryan Tannehill this year and the rest of that Titans team. For the Colts, though, I think we've learned everything we need to know about Carson Wentz at this point. Like, we were talking before, and I made mention of, like, oh, Wentz has to have thrown 10 picks. And he hasn't. He's only got a couple, and he went several games without throwing one. But you always know with Wentz that the mistake is coming. It will happen at some point. This week literally threw the game away, falling backwards in his own end zone, threw the ball up into the air where it was picked and there was a two-yard interception return for a touchdown that didn't lose the game necessarily for Indy. They ended up coming back and tying it and losing it overtime, but they had a chance to win it in regulation had that play not happened. So tough one for Wentz. He may have even thrown another. I don't know if the second pick was before then or in overtime, but not a good look for Wentz. Jonathan Taylor continues to be a stud though, 16 carries, 70 yards and a score. Michael Pittman, who was on your fantasy bench, unfortunately, even though you did still get me in the victory. 10 catches, 86 yards, two scores for Pittman. So you look at guys like Taylor, Pittman, some of the other young talent on this team. This this Indianapolis team continues to be a great roster, but they keep finding quarterbacks that cannot, they just can't make the play when it counts. Interested in your takes on both of these teams, Seth. Ryan Tannehill, do you think he's got the juice to take the Titans deep? And then on Wentz, have you seen enough? Do you think this is going to improve? Or do you suspect at this point that the Colts will be shopping again before long? Yeah, I mean, Wentz is playing tough. I, I, I mean, I do like what I'm, what I'm seeing out of him when he's, you know, standing back there and throwing the ball. It's just sometimes when things kind of collapse and, you know, he has to make a, a quick decision, things get a little hairy sometimes and he does a little bit too much. It's tough because I think the Colts are in a, in a position right now where there's not a lot, not going to be a lot of options next offseason. The, the draft class is going to be pretty bad. And so I think they might have to probably end up sticking with Wentz, just like I think the Vikings will have to stick with Kirk Cousins, which we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, I, I think that we'll probably get at least one more season with Wentz. Their offense overall has played pretty well. I think they found a new star in Pittman. I think if they were to get another piece in there, you know, in receiver, they I think they would be fine offensively. Jonathan Taylor's a stud, but it seems like they, they kind of are inconsistent with getting him the ball sometimes, too. Defensively, they haven't played up to snuff this year, though. That, that's that been their biggest issue, really, is in, in the past, like, 
you know, last year of Philip Rivers, that defense was what carried that team. Philip Rivers wasn't asked to do a lot. And this year, it's completely flipped. Carson Wentz has to do too much, <laughs> and the defense isn't stepping up for him. So I, I, they've been playing ever since Wentz has come back from the two <laughs> sprained hinkles. Like, he's played well, and that, that, that team has been in all their games. It's just, you know, when it comes down to it, when they, when they need that defense the most, they haven't done what they need to do. I think with the Titans, they're going to be fine. I mean, obviously, Henry is an un, unworldly running back, but we've seen the last couple weeks now, just these last two weeks alone, like, Henry hasn't done a whole lot. Tannehill and A.J. Brown really have been what's won those games for, for the Titans. And with A.J. Brown, kind of what we've what, what I've been talking about the last few weeks, they don't need Julio to step up. If you give A.J. Brown the ball and keep giving him the ball, good things are going to happen, and he's going to break mm-hmm. one. He's just like Henry in that way. Like, you give him the ball seven, eight, nine times a game, one of those is going to probably go for 60 yards and a score. Like, he, he is that good. He's so big. He's so fast. He's physical. Can run all the routes. Like, he is, he, he in terms of wide receivers in the NFL, he might be, him and Metcalf, DK Metcalf, might be the two most physically gifted wide receivers to play the game right now. So... I think they'll they'll be fine. I really do. And and you know, we'll see what happens with Peterson. Obviously, he's not Adrian Peterson from a decade and a half ago, but we saw in in Detroit and in Washington, he still can run for 1000 yards in a season. He can still score a bunch of touchdowns. He's tough. He doesn't miss games. And the more you give him the ball, the the better it is. You know, the the, the more effective he is, and I think that's something he hasn't had in a little bit. Are those consistent carries when he was playing last year with Detroit? He was splitting with Swift, and getting Peterson 12 carries a game isn't super effective unless they're on the goal line. But if you give him 20 a game, give him 25 a game, you might see a little bit of that old Peterson in there. So I'm excited to see him play again. Hope he adds to you know his his rushing totals and you know moves up on the list, um, and then retires a Viking one day. So I'm excited for to, for Sunday night to see him play again and go against the Rams, and I think they're going to be just fine. I tend to think you're right, Seth. Peterson, by the way, I think he's only like 400 yards away from Barry Sanders at this point, so probably a goal of his to make that pass this season, and he's going to have a good chance to do that. Mike Vrabel, coach of the Tennessee Titans, is the only reason I need to say, yeah, I I think Tennessee's going to be okay. They'll get it figured out. He's an incredible football coach. He he just gets it done. They've had such a huge winning record by a huge margin. You know, they've stumbled in the playoffs a couple times against some great Chiefs teams and a Ravens team, but they look great. Colts, I don't want to shit on the Colts too much at three and five. It looks like the season, you know, is is really clinging on. But both of these are really good teams in the AFC. But uh, Tennessee right now, number one seed if the season ended today, so they would get that by. So they, they're going to be an interesting one to watch. We'll see how things change without Henry, obviously. But uh, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, too. It's funny because uh, Peterson and Vrabel have played against each other in a game before. <laughs> so it's getting Holy shit. <laughs> this is a game I didn't think we were going to need to talk about, Seth. Uh, the Bengals came into New York and lost to the fucking Jets. The Jets seem to do this at least once a year. They beat a team that we thought was really good. It was a 31-34 to loss for the Bengals, win for the Jets. So every person in America picked the Bengals and, and lost on that game. What a weird game. I think the the biggest piece of news that you're going to see, which I don't think is the biggest story here, the biggest piece of news that you're going to see is Mike White, who was the backup playing for the injured Zach Wilson. Mike White goes 37 of 45, 405 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. 
the first 400-yard passer for the Jets since Vinny Testaverde in like 2001. Huge game for him. Great to see it. I, I love seeing a backup like that come in, get a win, especially at home. It must have been really, really fun for him and for the team to rally around him. Bob Sala on the sideline was looking really pumped up, which I was excited for. This Jets team's not going to win a lot of games, but seeing them be this happy to win this one was, was pretty fun. Uh, I'm not going to lie. On the Bengals, a little bit of a down game, and I think too little of the credit here is going to go to the Jets' defense, who played very well in this. Got after Burrow. They sacked him three times, forced an interception. He only had 259 yards. He did have three scores. Mixon had 33 yards and a score on the ground, and then he caught four for 58 and a second score. T. Higgins at 97 yards led the way. Jamar Chase here, our Rookie of the Year candidate, three catches, 32, and a score. Continues to add up the touchdowns, not a lot of yards here. Seth, I'm going to ask you in a second whether whether this is a story more about the Jets than, than the Bengals. I, I think that this is more of a Bengals story. I think this was a letdown game after a big win. Obvious trap game written all over it. I'm upset with myself for missing it. Easy team on the road after a big emotional win. Yeah, this had trap game written all over it, and they got trapped. They fall to 5-3. and three. They had a very good chance to win this game. There was a really, I think, shitty head-to-head personal foul called late in this one. That if it mm-hmm. wasn't called, the Jets were going to be punting to the Bengals with like a minute 40 left and the Bengals had a timeout or two. So this very well could have been the story of Joe Burrow getting a game-winning drive and whew, we beat the Jets. Good thing we didn't fuck that one up. Instead, that call doesn't go their way. They end up losing in this one. Embarrassing win for this for Cincinnati. And I'm inclined to cite my point from earlier. Loser's going to lose. Cincinnati, what the fuck? How is it we heard all week like... Well, there's not going to be a letdown. This is a young team. We're still underdogs. Da, 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 da. Well, that's exactly what happened, dude. You let down. We've talked about Zach Taylor, and I've heard lots of things on in every part of the spectrum in terms of how good of a coach we think he is. This is a blemish, big time. Like, you can't, you can't lose this game. Not when you're trying to make a playoff push in a competitive division against the Ravens in a year where you have an opportunity because the Chiefs are down. I... This is, a, I hate this loss for a team that we want to be in the upper echelon. I think we need to treat them like it and not give them a break for this awful, awful loss that they had. Do you think that this is truly a letdown like I do, Seth, or was this more about the Jets overperforming? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, definitely was a letdown. They shouldn't have lost this game. And I think they were even up by two scores at one point, and even in the fourth quarter, and the Jets came back. Like you said, there was a bad call, but they should have never been in that position to begin with. And there was a point where they were starting to run away with the game a bit, too. So kind of just let the Jets hang around. And, you know, I think the Jets came into this one with nothing to lose. We saw with, like, the Lions uh, against the Rams, they came in with nothing to lose and played like it. I think in that case, in the case with the Rams, the Rams are just an exponentially better team uh, than than the Lions. Whereas this one, the Bengals, I definitely think are, are a much better team than the Jets. But at the same time, they're 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 not good enough to... You know, they're not experienced enough. They're not, you know, well-coached enough. They're just, they they aren't quite the, the team that, like, the Rams are in that case where, they, you know, they hit some adversity and aren't able to, to come back when the momentum's not swinging their way. You know, I, I think, yes, we, you know, probably, you know, we definitely need to, to say, yeah, the Bengals blew this one. But at the same time, they're probably not a top AFC team yet. I definitely was on the hype train with them beating the Ravens. But... They're a team with a young coach, with a second-year quarterback who didn't play a full season, with an unproven defense, an unproven offensive line, a lot of unprovens playing a fourth-place schedule against some teams that, other than the Ravens, 
they haven't really beat a whole lot of of actual teams. So, and hell, the jury's probably still out even on the Ravens. They haven't played a ton of from what we've seen now with the teams that they've beat, and you know, looking at the teams they've lost to. Who have they played really at this point? You know, the Chargers haven't looked good either. So it's like, I you know, there, there's been a lot of teams that all these guys have played that maybe aren't as impressive as we thought three weeks ago. So I still think the Bengals, the Bengals are a very talented team and have a lot of pieces and have a lot to be excited about uh, in, you know, maybe in the coming years. They def very well are in a playoff spot right now, you know, as things were standing, but they're also a very, very likely first-round exit at this point. Just, you know, obviously that offense could probably beat any team. They can score at any time, but the defense clearly is susceptible in all facets of the game. Coaching hasn't made great decisions. I, I don't know. A lot of things to like about the Bengals, but a lot of things to also be like, oh, yeah. We had a lot of question marks that probably haven't really been answered yet. Uh, and I'll admit, too, I, I was on the hype train. Uh, again, you know, if, if folks didn't hear the episode that we did last week, I was all over him too. I, I, I love this Bengals team. And then the second I saw this, I was like, man, I feel dumb for buying into that. Yeah. So it ha- it's easy to happen, and I, and I want this team to be good. I still like this team. But, yeah, a little little bit of patience before we end yeah. it. I still um, think – I still think ultimately they're a good team and we, we, you know, aren't wrong about them. It's just, this is a super disappointing loss Mm -hmm. and there's still things that we have maybe put some blinders on when it comes to that team, specifically with the defense and offensive line. I think there's encouraging things you can see on the jets also, you know, the defense kind of does fly around. They got got some talent there. I want to get your quick answer, Seth. Everyone's weighing in on the Mike White debate. You know, Zach Wilson underperforming is obviously the rookie. He's hurt right now. Jets are going to play on Thursday. It sounds like White will get the start. They signed Joe Flacco to add depth to the quarterback room. If you're you're Bob Sala and you're making a quarterback starting decision, do you let this Mike White thing play out all the way? Or are do you do you think like a lot do you got to be pretty quick to snap this back and get Wilson in there or everyone's going to yeah. start losing confidence and you got to stick with Wilson? There's two sides here. The obvious answer is you have to put Wilson back in. In terms of an organization, you have to. That's just what you have to do. Number two pick, a lot of, lot of everything invested in this kid. The same time, though, is if I was the coach, you ride the hot hand. You haven't had any quarterback on that team throw for, throw for 400 yards in however long. He added a spark, and there hasn't been a lot of sparks in, in New York other than people wanting to burn their Jets jerseys. So... Like, <laughs> I I don't, it would be hard if I was the coach, it'd be a hard decision to make. Like, I, I think you'd have to at least think about Mike White. And if he comes out, if Mike White comes out this week and throws for another 400 and wins, like, I don't know how you don't think about it, keeping him as the starter. Like, again, I know there's a lot invested there, but if he comes out and has another amazing performance and shows like, oh shit, this kid might have something, like you might have to actually think about keeping Wilson on the bench. But obviously he comes out, if he comes out and it looks average, then Wilson comes out the next week. But it was impressive. It was cool to see and he was definitely pumped and and made the most of his opportunity and maybe he Matt Flynn's us into a job somewhere. (laughs) Oh my God, that's such a good, oh wow. What a pull. (laughs) Matt Flynn's himself into a job. I hope we get a chance to. The energy around Mike White on Sunday was very, very fun to see. I was like, when guys get an opportunity and take advantage. So good on you, Mike White. I, I kind of hope they ride him too, honestly. Everybody knows you're going back to Zach Wilson, but bring him back slow. Make sure he's healthy. Give him a chance to get his fucking head on straight because I'm sure it's spinning at this point. Let Mike White play a couple games and score a couple touchdowns. Before that happens, maybe he gets a job next year. 
A lot of guys on Houston are thinking about their jobs next year. Texans lose to the Rams, duh. Seth, if it's okay with you, I'm going to skip all the stats in this game because, of course, the Rams beat the shit out of Houston. Stafford looks incredible. The whole offense looks good. Rams, though, uh, all over the news this week, they're loading up, uh, as you'll hear it said often, for what they believe is a Super Bowl run. 7-1 and one right now, tied with the Cardinals at the top of the NFC West. Still a lot of really tough games in the second half of the year, but this is a team that thinks that they can get that number one seed, play at home, and get that home Super Bowl game in February. They go out this week, and they get Von Miller. Putting the league on notice, they send a second and a third round draft pick to Denver for the, I think, eight-time Pro Bowler. And all of a sudden, this Rams pass rush, which... Today, before Von Miller has played a snap, leads the league in sacks, adds one of the best sack guys in the league to go along with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, who no one talks about Leonard Floyd. He would be the best player on a lot of defenses in this league. Of course, you got Jalen Ramsey on the back end, a lot of really good young talent on that defense. The offense has been humming, especially this last couple of weeks against bad Ds. They've, they've really got it tuned up. Cooper Cup is on record paces in catches, touchdowns, and yards. Deshaun Jackson made the news this week, requested a trade, didn't get the trade, but the Rams did release him. So we'll see where he lands. He'll likely find a home. Uh, A lot of teams out there looking for a wideout. So the Houston game went the way you expect the Houston game to go, Seth. But the Rams, they go into a tough part of the schedule. These last eight weeks, they play a lot of uh, playoff caliber teams. So we're going to learn a lot about the Rams. Do you see them like a lot of people around the league do as potentially a favorite right now to, to win the Super Bowl, or if not yet, what are you still waiting to see before you're ready to uh, swap out that Bucks pick for the NFC Super Bowl representative? Yeah, I mean, I think for me with that pick, it's still Tom Brady versus anything else. So I, I unless Tom Brady goes down, I don't see myself changing that just because it's you bet against Tom Brady, you're you're probably going to lose more more often than not. But with the Rams, I mean, if I'm looking at it just full roster standpoint and from 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 an emotionless standpoint, let's put it that way. From a standpoint of how how they played this year, it's hard not to to say the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl because they're they're playing so damn well. They did this a couple years ago where they traded for Ramsey midseason, Jalen Ramsey, to you know kind of go all in on the Super Bowl. And I never felt that they were a Super Bowl contender then. Jared Goff is the quarterback. Never saw it in him, and never will. Obviously, Matt Stafford. I've I see it in, and I've seen it in for a decade and a half. Obviously, I didn't think, or a decade, obviously didn't think that he was going to win a Super Bowl with the Lions, but seeing just how he plays football and how good of a quarterback he is, he's always had that potential. And now he's, like you said, that offense is humming. The defense is playing super well and is only better now. This time it's for real. Like when, when when you add that piece... And already, you know, with the, with with the way that team's going, like that team prior to Von Miller, I thought had every chance to win the Super Bowl, and it's only gone up from there. So yeah, it's just adding Stafford alone makes that team for real, and now everything else on top of it. They're probably the the emotionless favorite for me, but obviously Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and I don't think there's anyone else you'd rather have as a quarterback than Tom Brady in uh, in a Super Bowl. So or in the playoffs even. Still my pick right now just because it's Tom Brady and they already lost to the Rams this year. It's hard to beat a team twice. If there's any team that can do that and walk through the Super Bowl, because I think whoever out of the NFC goes to the Super Bowl is going to walk right through it, honestly. 
I like I like some of what you said, Seth. We're gonna we'll get you there. Mark my words, we're gonna get you there. Uh, we're gonna get you onto the Rams at some point. Maybe maybe the Bucks oh, are gonna have to I lose can... a wild card weekend to get you there, but we're gonna get you there. <laughs> I, exactly. I'll I'll just say though, you might. We will talk about the game in a minute. You might want to think about changing that Chargers pick. If I if I'm changing the the NFC pick, you might need to change your AFC pick. You know, it's it's a very good point, and we'll address that in one second. The last thing I want to say about the Rams is, unless you're a Rams fan, your team is stupid and boring. Les Snead is the only real general general manager in football. Because these guys, they see they saw a crack. They had a good roster last year that they felt confident in. They saw a crack in that team. And instead of going, well, we got Goff on, on contract for another couple of years. Maybe we'll draft a guy and bring him in behind. And maybe we'll be good in 2025. They said, no, fuck him. Someone else take this piece of shit. We're getting an all-star. Bring in Stafford even though Goff had more Pro Bowls than Stafford, which is hilarious. We're getting Stafford, and, oh, by the way, we can play, pay Jalen Ramsey because we apparently know rules other people don't. And draft picks don't win Super Bowls, so fuck draft picks. The Rams don't pick until the fifth round in 2022 at this point because, duh. Like, I, I get that va- draft picks are valuable. I'm not saying that they're worthless. But they don't help you win a Super Bowl. Not right now. One in every one guy in every ten years gets drafted in the first round and goes and wins a Super Bowl right away. It doesn't happen. And the Rams are close enough where draft picks are worthless to them. And so let Houston have the fucking draft picks. But if you're like if you're like Green Bay didn't make a move at the trade deadline, Arizona didn't either. A lot of the AFC teams that are near the top didn't make moves at the trade deadline. I did hear that the Bills were in for Von Miller, but the Rams must have outbid him. If you're near the top of the league and you're not doing what the Rams are doing, you you you're gonna get what you deserve, really, because it's like and to to be saving your chips for next year is stupid because we see what happens. Derrick Henry goes down. We see how quickly that oh you can save and save and save and save and then it still go wrong. So you might as well push them all on the table and go now. I love that that's where the Rams are at on this. I feel good about this team, and I I just hope and pray that they continue to stay healthy and play well, and we'll see how the second half of the season goes. But I couldn't be happier as a Rams fan, not only that they won, but that this is the type of team uh, and organization that they are. I'll probably say that again before the year is out, but that move at the trade deadline is... Nobody else is touching them when it comes to player acquisition. That's that, I believe that firmly. It's funny. Didn't didn't the Rams like trade up to draft Goff, and then they traded away picks to get rid of him? <laughs> yeah, they traded him with picks. So I think... Getting Goff and then getting rid of Goff cost him a total of like five picks, maybe. <gasps> like first round. At the end of the day. Yeah, like <laughs> major picks. The Rams won't pick in the first round before I die at this point, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they haven't traded their 2031 draft pick is because the rules tell them they can't. <laughs> but because they finished like paying off the first round picks they gave up for Goff and then had to turn around and now gave up all their first round picks to get rid of them and get Stafford. Yeah, I think they would have had one in this coming 2022 draft, but they traded mm-hmm. the 22 and three, 2022 and 2023 to get Stafford. I, I think that was about how it went. But yeah, I think I was in high school the last time they picked in the first round. You got Stafford now. That's all that matters. That's right. And they're seven and one. Big game this weekend, though. We'll see how that one goes. The other SoFi team, as you mentioned, Seth, I'm going to have my weekly dose of crow because the Chargers stunk it up this week. They, uh, they lose at home. 24 to 27, the Patriots came into town and got a win. A lot of the talk this week is about how impressive the Patriots were in this win. And I'll start there because I think this is a nice win for New England. Mac Jones was, yeah, eh, 218 yards. It's his worst game of the season, really. Yeah, it's his worst statistical game. Uh, You'll you'll hear a lot of talk about the poise uh, and the improvement that he has shown. 
I don't think Mac Jones is going to lose you football games is kind of what we're getting halfway through mm-hmm. the season. I don't think he's going to go win you a lot, but he's not going to be the reason you lost. He's not turning it over. They have a solid run game. Damian Harris is quietly having a pretty solid year when he's been healthy. 80 yards and a score in this one. Nelson Aguilar caught three balls for 60 yards. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, and Nikhil Harry are the wide receivers Mac Jones is throwing to. Keep complaining, Baker Mayfield, about yeah. the the Pro Bowlers you're throwing to. This is what Mac Jones is doing, and you have the same record. I don't think Patriots are world beaters. A lot of people are sliding the Patriots way up their lists. I'm not there, no. but this is not a team I want to go play in Foxborough. I'll tell you that. The de- this defense has played pretty well, and they're not giving you a lot of opportunities to take the ball away. So Patriots at 4-4 four and four are in that wild card mix in the AFC. We'll see how they continue to progress as the year goes on. But I'm not getting too excited about them yet. Chargers, though, they're on a two-game slide. Both ugly losses. Uh, mm-hmm. Games that they expected to win going in. Justin Herbert was bad in this game. 18 of 35, 223, two touchdowns, two picks. A lot of the discussion I've heard is just Belichick against young quarterbacks gets it done. I want to give Herbert the benefit of the doubt here, but he also played poorly last week. So unless they have a really strong bounce back this next week, I am, Seth, going to start thinking about my AFC pick because a Super Bowl team is supposed to go beat teams like the Patriots right now. I do have to remind myself that Herbert is still young and, and this team still has things to figure out. But this roster to me seems the way that I feel about why are the why are the Browns bad I kind of feel that way about the Chargers, and I'm inclined to invoke my own fucking point from earlier. Loser's going to lose. And it seems like that's what's happening here. I I still think the Chargers will be very competitive and and will end up one of the top teams in the AFC and get this division. This is the worst I have felt about my pick to this point. I I will say that much. They've got weapons. Eckler was back in this one and seems to be uh, healthy. Give me give me one maybe two more weeks before I come off the Chargers, Seth. But yeah, this this one was not uh, not good, not good for my take. That honestly, the biggest issue of that team has been that defense once again. And they hired a defensive coach. They hired a defensive mind to come mm-hmm. there. They hired a former Rams coach to come there and fix that defense and make them a competitive defense. And they haven't been up to this point. They've had some good games, but lately they have not looked good. I don't think they win the division. I think the Raiders honestly win the division at this point. The way that the Chargers have looked and the Chiefs have looked, the most consistent team has been the Raiders at this point. I don't think the Chargers, uh, I mean, they looked strong in the first couple weeks, and they got Mike Williams going, and since then, Mike Williams has been up and down, and Eckler's been in and out of the lineup. Herbert's been inconsistent. The defense has been bad. Not great for the Chargers. The The thing, and we, I, obviously we didn't have last week's episode, but something I mentioned on that, on that episode was how the Patriots are starting to look like the Patriots again, where I think Belichick is starting to feel confident in Mac Jones. Like you said, he's not going to lose you. I think that's the point. He's, he's realizing Mac Jones isn't going to lose me the game. The reason that we lose a game isn't going to be because of Mac Jones. He's making smart choices. He's being efficient with the football. That run game has been fantastic this year. I think they've really found a stud running back in in, uh, Harris that they haven't really had in the past. They've had running backs kind of like rotate in and out, but never like a consistent guy where they're giving them 20, 20, 25 touches a game. Like he's getting some consistent work. And then, yeah, they you know they they have a bunch of these random receivers, but they paid them all this offseason. They paid all of them a bunch of money, and both Henner Henry and Jonu Smith have been involved lately too with the tight ends. Mac Jones is spreading it around to everyone, and that's another big thing. Like you often see with a lot of young receivers, they're targeting one or two guys. Mac Jones is get, giving everyone the football right now. 
and he's doing it in, again, a very efficient manner. I'm really impressed with the Patriots. I think Mac Jones and that team is coming along a lot faster than me or anyone else really expected at this point. Obviously, again, I'm not, I, I have seen a lot of people say that the Patriots are one of the best teams in the league too. I don't, I'm not there, but they're still, I think they're a very, very solid team. I think they are very well in the mix for playoffs at this point. Defensively, they've played tough. I I, I think they're, they're a team that'll be a tough out, especially with Bill Belichick as the coach and feeling more and more confident in his young quarterback who... At this point, it's like if if Mac Jones keeps playing like this and improving, like he's not going to be like Tom, you know, Tom Brady. He's not going to be, you know, a twenty-year quarterback or whatever. But same thing happened there. Tom Brady comes in and doesn't lose games and eventually becomes this a superstar quarterback. I could see the same thing happen with Mac Jones at this point with the way he's playing right now. At the very least, a really nice. There's a nice career to be had in not being a stud. Nobody's calling Mac Jones a stud, but you can be you can be a fine quarterback, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, and still have a nice lucrative career in the NFL, especially with the Patriots around you. McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, continues to find ways without talent on this team. So yeah, watch out for the Patriots. Teams that take the Patriots lightly will pay for it the rest of this year. This won't be the last upset for New England. Seattle beat Jacksonville. Uh, I'll, the only time I'll spend on this is 31-7. to Seattle gets the win at home. Big win. Geno Smith played really nicely in this. Gets the win in front of the Seattle fans. But Russell Wilson is expected back. I don't know about this weekend or next weekend, but he'll be back soon. Seattle at 3-5. and five, Not yet out of the wild card discussion. So we've been burying Seattle. I still don't think this is a great team. But if Wilson comes back with his hair on fire who knows i don't like the idea of seattle lingering around back there but i'm not taking anything away from 31 to 7 win over jacksonville yeah no not much to speak about here i think obviously you just mentioned the biggest story is that russell wilson he just got the uh, pin out of his finger today uh, as of the recording of this on tuesday he's a fast healer he'll be back i think i don't know when their buy is or if they've already had it but if they haven't already had the bye, I'm assuming he'd be back after the bye if that's soon. If oh, not, this is their uh, this is their bye week, and okay. then they're back on the 14th against the Packers. So I would expect Russ for that one. Could yeah, uh, you know, I think I think in terms of the timeline, he shouldn't be back for it. But knowing him and healing and how hard he works and all these uh, you know all these imaginary games he's played uh, <laughs> against everyone, I feel like he's. I heard he's thrown for 4,500 yards already. <laughs> Fucking crazy! It's so dumb. Um, I think he'll be back for that game, or at least he'll <laughs> at least he'll win it uh, before before kickoff. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Maybe a, a, a invisible Lambo leap for uh, for Wilson. In the <laughs> Similarly meaningless game in Denver. Broncos do get to four and four. They end their four game losing streak. 17 to 10 over Washington, who stinks out loud. Denver ships off Von Miller, so it seems like they're maybe throwing in the towel on the season. If there's any interest in this game, it's that these teams should and I hope will be in the Aaron Rodgers conversation come next offseason. But for now, these teams are going to lose a lot of games, and I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time talking on them unless you got something. No, uh, I'll just add I don't think anyone's going to be on the Aaron Rodgers uh, sweepstakes. I think I think he stays with the Packers, but we can talk about that later. That's uh, that's popped up a few times this week, and uh, I'm kind of in favor for it, honestly. I didn't expect to be, but I am. I also didn't expect to be in favor of the New Orleans Saints, and here we are, Seth. Saints get one of the more shocking wins for me of the season. 36-27, to 27, Saints win at home, get to 5-2 and two against 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if you bet against Tom Brady this time, it actually paid. <laughs> Saints in this one, Jameis Winston goes down. ACL, he's going to be out for the season. Pretty tough injury. I know we have been shitting on Winston a lot, but by his standards, he's had a nice year and he got this team to four and two. They're able to finish the win and get to five and two here. They're a half game behind the Bucks at the top of the NFC South. They seem to be Brady's kryptonite, a lot of folks are saying this week. Trevor Simeon came in, played well enough. This Saints defense, though, is really flying around. They flustered Brady all game. He goes for 375 and four scores, which you're like, ah, yeah, Brady did his Brady thing. But then he threw two picks, one of which was the game-winning pick six for the Saints. It was a last-minute drive that was looking like, ah, Tom's going to go get a game-winner again, and instead, a game-loser. So... This is a Saints team that hangs around. They seem to have figured out how to get Kamara in space. He had 61 yards on the ground. Actually, he only had 15 receiving here, so actually not a lot of contribution from him. They added Mark Ingram to the roster over this last week. He had four or six carries in this one. The Saints, even though we haven't had a lot of respect for them, I think maybe we need to. I do, at least. The the way this defense played and and secured the win, they've got to figure out this quarterback thing. I don't know what the answer is. There was some Cam Newton talk. Sounds like they're not going to get into him. Does Simeon play? Taysom Hill still getting healthy. Does he get in there? Sounds like he'll be back and will be the starter. I think that's incredibly limiting. I honestly would feel better about them starting Simeon than Taysom Hill. But uh, I know there's a lot of people that don't agree with that, and we'll see how it goes. But for the Bucks, you know, 6-2, and two, I think the smart money is still on them to end up running away with this division. Still a great roster and all of that. They're going into their bye this week. Chris Godwin, by the way, monstrous in this. Eight catches, 140, and a score. There was a lot of offense here. Any concern for Tampa, Seth? Halfway through the year, they go into their bye. They come out. You expecting them to be world beaters. And then on the Saints' side... Where are you at on the Saints' respecto-meter? Because they look, a lot would need to change for them to not be a playoff team at this point. And nobody's ever really wanted to go into New Orleans and play, other than your Vikings and my Rams, who got wins there in the playoffs. (laughs) But uh, are you starting to raise your eyebrows at the Saints team, specifically because of that defense? Don't forget, too, they got Michael Thomas coming back at some point healthy. This team goes as far as this defense will take them, and right now it's taking them pretty far. I think statistically, they're, they're, I think they're first against the run and, like, fifth against the pass or something like that so and they might be might even dropped a little bit because of what Tom Brady did this week but I don't know I it's it's hard to believe in this team with the quarterback situation even with Winston it's not a team that I could pick them in a playoff matchup it, it would be hard to say that they're gonna win but you know they keep surprising teams um, they keep winning tough games I still don't think they're by any means a Super Bowl team and again, I don't think they win a playoff game. If they make the playoffs at all, we'll see what happens with this quarterback situation. I have no worries with Tampa Bay, though. It is it is weird how that, that defense has figured out Tom Brady uh, since he's come over there. Even the playoff game that they won, the, that the Bucks won against the Saints, they, they, the defense played well. I, I'm not worried about the Bucks at all, though. They're banged up as well. They uh, they were missing, obviously, Gronk. Uh, he, he came in and then left. Missing Antonio Brown, who's been a, a huge factor for them this season. And I think on defense, they, they've been missing a couple of players there, too. So I, I think they're fine. I, obviously, they're still my pick for the Super Bowl. And we know what happens when Tom Brady loses. Bad things happen for other teams because <laughs> he comes back more motivated than ever. And having a bye week is pretty perfect, too. So, yeah, Bucks will be fine. They'll be a top team in the uh, in the NFC. And be I think they'll go deep in the playoffs as well. 
after the bye, which is this week, Tom comes back against Washington, the Giants, Oof. the Oof. Colts, the Falcons. Okay. Watch out for them to bang off four straight before playing the Bills in what should be a good game in the beginning of December. But yeah, this is this is about the time of the year that Brady teams tend to start getting really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, A couple weeks to get healthy, get Gronk back out there. Uh, I tend to agree. I think uh, Tampa's going to end up being Tampa. I hate to do this to you, Seth. We're going to have to talk about the Sunday night football game. Vikings lose at home 16-20. to against the Cowboys, who were led in this game by Cooper Rush. Dak was a game-time decision. They end up sitting him, which I'll come back to, but I loved, actually, the move to sit Dak. Cooper Rush, career night. What an amazing night for him. 325 yards, two scores, including the game winner to Amari Cooper. Did have one pick. Ezekiel Elliott on the ground, 50 yards rushing, and then he had four catches for 23 yards. One of those catches for some of those 23 yards was the play of the game. He absolutely plowed over two or three Vikings guys to get a, a, a super key first down on what ended up being the game-winning drive. So Elliott, not a crazy stat line, but definitely had what a lot of folks would say is the play of the game here. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb both go over 100 yards in this one. So no deck, no problem. Not the most points Dallas has scored, but uh, Cooper Rush got it done. I think what this told me when Dallas made the decision to sit Dak, and they may have been lying about how close he was to playing, but it looked like he was very close. And what it tells me when they sit Dak down and say, I think what they're saying is, one, we think we can beat these Vikings with our backup, which is so insulting, even if true. Two, we're not thinking about winning this game. We we know we have the division in the box. We're five games ahead already. <laughs> There's a lot of the season left to play, and we don't want Dak to have a lingering injury for all season. So let's be really conservative about bringing him back because we can lose this game, and we're going to be fine. It's not going to change anything for us. I think that patience and that restraint and just maturity is maybe the scariest thing about Dallas right now. Yeah. And this is a team that has weapons fucking everywhere. Jerry Jones showing restraint is like Josh Allen thinking about football. We don't want it. <laughs> but Dallas all of a sudden can continue to play great defense. They put the fucking clamps on the Vikes, who I think stood still and posed and showed Dallas where to put the clamps. This was such sad offense to watch. Kirk Cousins had 184 yards, one touchdown. Dalvin Cook, 78 on the ground. Thielen 78 through the air and a score, but they only get it to Justin Jefferson twice. They only get it to KJ Osborne twice, your speed guys. Tyler Conklin gets five catches. Like, no disrespect, but like, why the fuck are you throwing it to Tyler Conklin five times? Like, the Cowboys sat back and said they allowed Dalvin Cook to rush for 78 yards. Great, great time on the ground. But every time they sat back and said, all right, cousins, go ahead, he just didn't. And I think. Two things about this game, Seth. I said last week on the show, nobody heard, the next four games for the Vikings, this being the first of four against tough opponents, will tell us everything we need to know about Kirk Cousins. We're ahead of schedule because I think we learned this Sunday what we need to know about Kirk Cousins. Continues to have a shitty record in primetime, way shitty record against winning teams, can't get the big victory, and just inexplicably is awful sometimes. I don't think you can trust him. I think you got to figure out a way to move on. I don't know what their options are. As you mentioned a moment ago, there aren't great ones. But if I'm in the Minnesota building, my meetings this week are about how do we get, how do we get a new quarterback next year? Furthermore, I, I know how much you like Mike Zimmer. I think, we, I think hot seat at minimum should be the conversation for Zimmer. I know they love him there. I know he's coached good defense, but he did just allow a rookie to hang 300 plus yards on his guys. If it's not Zimmer, it's gotta be Kubiak. Like, first of all, kind of stupid that you're, aging and boring 
offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak just gets to hand the job off to his son, who presumably yeah. learned the same shit from the 70s that Gary knew. That per, that guy's probably clearly out of his depth. They have way too much talent on this offense to be this fucking boring. If it's me, and if this was allowable, on Sunday night, I would have fired Zimmer, the offensive coordinator, <laughs> and Kirk Cousins, and just figured out what to do for this week's game. I, I told you before, I'm going to come in hot about the Vikings because I, I know they're your team and I don't know if you're going to be angry, but someone needs to be because the Vikings, I don't know about should, but they could be five and two. And instead they're a terrible looking three and four and trending downward. And I don't have a lot of hope for them, even though they're such a talented team because they seem to refuse the idea that they might score points in football game. It's, it's baffling to me. And I'm sick of seeing it, and I'm not even a Vikings fan. I can't imagine how you must have felt watching this game. You clearly haven't watched much Vikings football then because this is how they always have been, forever, of all, for all time. When <laughs> Anytime they've had any promise or hope or talent on the team, they've failed to execute it, other than in 2009 when they had Brett Favre. And you can't even say that, what, 2015 or 16, because they didn't have much talent then. They just had a fourth-place schedule and a really, really good defense, a future head coach who turned at least the Browns offense around for a little bit. So no, that I'm not surprised by this at all. I uh, had a feeling this was probably going to happen. Even with, I felt better about them when potentially beating Dallas, but even before Kirk Cousins, the Vikings don't show up in prime time either. I wasn't surprised by this. You just need to watch more Vikings football or don't keep, keep not watching Vikings football because you don't have to go through watching disappointing performances over and over and over again. So no kidding. It pains me that it pains me that you're married to the. Just let me buy you some Ram stuff, Seth. Let me take you to a game. You will have no. so much fun on this side of it. I know you're loyal. I appreciate it about you, but I hate seeing you in pain, pal. You don't deserve it. I hate to say that. I, I I'm really close to putting the Vikings just in the losers gonna lose camp because, like, what the fuck, guys? Well, like, <laughs> why aren't, why don't you already have them there? They have never won a Super Bowl. You just clearly don't know how to evaluate football. <laughs> maybe that is my fault. Maybe I maybe I get too excited about the Vikings sometimes, and I maybe it's because I'm I there. Are, I have a lot of Vikings fans in my life, you included, and I want them to get to see their team win. And it's not like the Rams have always been world beaters. Like I know what it's like to to like a losing team, but like yeah, the Vikings are exhausting. Maybe the Favre model is the thing. Maybe sell out, go get someone who's a proven winner. They should have been in the Stafford sweepstakes, in my opinion. They should be in the Rogers sweepstake if if there is one. But um, do you but, think but, the Lions would have traded Stafford to the Vikings? They wouldn't have done that. Oh, no, no. And Stafford got to pick where he went, and he wasn't picking Minnesota. But even so, pick up the phone, you know? I, I, I feel pretty confident saying they probably didn't even call. Fuck, look at Deshaun Watson. Like, I, I, no. do something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a – if they traded for Deshaun Watson, I, I wouldn't watch football anymore. Not only – I wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a fan of the Vikings. I just wouldn't watch football anymore. That's an extreme example. That guy deserved like, – do, he doesn't deserve do, to be on the street, let alone play football, so – yeah, that's, that's a solid point on Watson. My point being, do something, Minnesota, to show me that you want to win a football game. Because you could be. That's what I think. I'll calm down now. <laughs> I don't think Zimmer will be there next year. Um, I do think Kirk Cousins will be there next year. And that's simply just because there isn't anyone. Like, the, the quarterback market next year for free agents is fucking disastrously ugly. And the draft class is pretty terrible. So, uh, I think most teams are... Unless they are clearly like, you know, it's not going to cost much to get a quarterback to move up or if one falls to them in the draft, I think that's probably the the only, you know, teams that are going to end up with a quarterback change. But I, I think Kirk Cousins will be there next year. I don't think Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond has been a healthy and active for the entire season uh, other than when he had COVID. So I guess one, 
one game of unhealthy inactive, but otherwise he's been a healthy scratch. So he's clearly not the answer, and he looks terrible in the preseason as well. Yeah, so at least another year, year and a half probably of mediocre football. They lost to Neil Hunter for the season, who is one of the, not just the, he's the best defensive player on the team, but he's one of the top 10 or so defensive players in the NFL. And so he's gone. So that's good. Patrick Peterson, don't know how long he's out for, but he's on the pup list. He's probably not going to be back for a while. He should probably just not come back. Yeah, this team is, they'll probably hang around 500. They'll probably finish like eight and nine or so and probably be in the conversation like they were last year until like the last week or two of the season for a wild card spot. But that's, that's probably about it. To the Cowboys point though, we'll be getting Demarcus Lawrence back sometime soon. So that's scary. Like that, that defense, that's a legitimate defense. That's actually a really good defense. I know a lot of people the last few weeks, I think us included, have said that defense is opportunistic. They've gotten takeaways, but they're doing everything. Randy Gregory has looked great. Uh, He had a couple sacks, I believe. Micah Parsons, who they drafted, has been all over the field and dominating. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs, his first game without a pick, but he he was doing a great job against Jefferson. He got hurt, so we'll see how long before, how long he's out for, if at all. But that defense, that's a legitimate defense. And Dan Quinn has turned that defense completely around, um, shown why he is an amazing defensive coach. Maybe not the best head coach, but one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Proved it again, carrying over from the Legion of Boom. And, you know, obviously handed over duties with Atlanta. But now that he has him back with, with the Cowboys, like that defense is great. And that offense was able to put points up without Dak. And like you said, smart. That was a smart move to not play him because it's long-term thinking. They, they know they have a shot. They know they have a, le- a real legitimate shot at potentially a Super Bowl this year, and I, I think they do. I really do. I think they, they have a chance to win any game with that offense and how great that defense is playing right now. They're, they're a fun team to watch, and again, not surprised at this outcome. Dallas, is, they've dodged every bullet so far. Dak hurt. No problem. We got Cooper Rush. Michael Gallup is still going to come back to this team at some point. No problem so far. Ezekiel Elliott's old and washed up. No, he's not. Uh, You got a really young defense. Well, we drafted two superstars in the last two years, uh, and they're playing out of their fucking minds. Also, the failed draft pick Gregory from three years ago all of a sudden isn't a failed draft pick. Jerry Jones looking pretty fucking smart right now. Dallas is... Oof. I was really hoping the Vikes would get this because Dallas is one of the teams that does scare me on the Rams' behalf in the NFC. Vikings probably are going to win their next three games now. <laughs> no, they <laughs> just don't to, have a Just to shot. fucking spite me, but that was Sunday night. Let's get to Monday night football, uh, week eight, last game. Kansas City gets back on the winning train. They get to 4-4 four and four on a 20-17 to 17 victory over the New York Giants. This was a closer game than some expected, but most of us know you never bet the Chiefs to cover. So Chiefs do get the close win at home. Mahomes' stat line, 275, a touchdown, a pick. Tyreek Hill, 12 catches, 94 yards, and a score. McCole Hartman had 5 for 63 in this one as well. I still didn't see anything from the Chiefs here that impressed me. Uh, You know, they win a tight one against the Giants, sure, but... I think some people expected them to come blow them out and be like, we're back. But this wasn't that. Daniel Jones, had he, they had a chance to, uh, to go get this one. 222 yards, two scores, one pick. Devontae Booker led rushers with 60 yards. And John Ross, 72 yards. Uh, I, I guess I don't like cool the Chiefs won. They went out and got Melvin Ingram, linebacker, to try to bolster this defense. Unless he's 
you know, Dr. Octopus, I don't think he's going to make them a great defense. There's a reason he was available. He was waived. So uh, I like the move to try to attempt to add something to this defense. We'll see how that works out. I'm still not very impressed with this with the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes continues to, I'm not going to say disappoint. He's got better stats than most quarterbacks, but he's not blowing us away like he has in the past. Uh, I'm not moving the dial really on the Chiefs. A close one over the Giants doesn't impress me. And the Giants are the Giants, so I don't know. What are you thinking about KC lately, Seth? Are they still confusing to you, or are you still optimistic? Where are you at? Yeah, I think this one probably left us with the same amount of questions as we had before. I had anticipated the Chiefs coming out to dominate this one, and they just didn't. There was a couple times where it looked like they might. Uh, There's a couple throws Mahomes made where you're like, man, that looked great. And then a couple missed ones, and... Couple opportun- couple times where he's holding on to the ball too long and making some throws that he got away with that in the past may have been complete and this one and you know really this season they weren't. There was one in particular where he threw into double or triple coverage and the receiver, you know, one of their other guys like Hardman or Pringle or someone like that and or Robinson and they went up for it and it just went right through their hands and in past years that's one where it's like oh yeah they would have caught that and. It was right on his hands. It just went, kind of went through him. Those type of things. Like those plays that we've seen in the past are the ones that, you know, just aren't connecting or not on the same page. And then also on top of that, Mahomes is making poor choices. So that none of that was fixed. None of that was solved in this game. It was all just almost exaggerated a bit, and they still snuck out with a win. So Melvin Ingram could help with some a little bit of a pass rush. That's his specialty. That's one of the things he does well is get some pressure, but really not anyone else in that team that does that super well I know Matthew is looking for his first pick of the season still they just not like we've talked about they're not getting the takeaways that they've gotten in the past on defense they in the past have been more of a bend don't break defense and in this year they're breaking all over the place and just not getting the the plays they need so on top of that the mistakes by Mahomes are very apparent it's to the point now where it's like yeah this is kind of who they are you know are they a team that is hovering at 500. I mean, I still think they're a team that could win any any single game they're in, but they're also not the overwhelming favorite like they used to be. You know, they're they're a team that you're like, could they win? Absolutely, but could they also lose by 15? Yeah, they could. Chiefs right now out of the playoff picture at four and four. They right now are the nine seed. They are a half game back on the Chargers who have the last wild card spot today. So the Chiefs are very much still in the mix, but not scaring many people right now, which is a weird thing compared to what we're used to. So that is our recap of a wild and wacky week number eight in the NFL. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? I mentioned before, my pick'em sucked. All of my prop bets sucked, and even my fantasy sucked. Seth, please give me some good news. Tell me you made some money this week. Show me the money! Nope. <laughs> no, it was a bad week. The only thing that good that happened really was that I beat you in fantasy, which was pretty fun. But Yeah, and even that was a weird, sloppy fantasy matchup. I did win one bet. I forgot about this on Sunday night. I had just like a couple of bucks lingering in my uh, account after getting reamed for the day. And uh, I asked my girlfriend, hey, what do you think is going to happen in the Sunday night game? Just I'll bet it. You just pick whatever. And she said, uh, Cowboys buy a field goal. And so I picked the Cowboys to win. I think the window, it was like a, I, I bet the margin. It was like zero, one to seven or something like that. And that hit. So I won like nine bucks or something. <laughs> so maybe I'm just going to outsource all my picks to her this week. Let's see if we can find some though, as we get to next week. 
turn this ship around and uh, start getting on the right side. Time for us to jump into our week nine previews. It's coming right for us! Pigskin Pick'em, by the way, we had a change at the top. Kyle gets uh, ahead of you, Seth, and he is at the top. You are a game and a half behind, if I'm counting these right. And then Brett is two games behind you. Then Dan, I had such a bad week. I fell down big time. Yeah, I have a big, oof. I got a lot of work to do to catch up. And then Tyler and the undis underestimated Ravens bringing up the rear as well. So let's not talk for very long about the pigskin pick'em. And let's instead get into the new week. It's a quick turnaround for Carson Wentz. He's probably pretty excited that he doesn't have to think about that pick for much longer. The Colts will be at home on Thursday Night Football against the suddenly terrifying New York Jets. Colts are favored at home by 10 and a half points. I, I really wanted, like initially, I really wanted to pick the Jets in this. And I think there's a chance they do keep this close. I think it's more likely that Wentz ha has a little bit of a bounce back game. This Indianapolis defense is does not make Mike White look like an all-star, and the Colts win by two touchdowns. I don't feel great about this, but I'm trying to go with the proven quantity rather than the new upstart, which is something I've fallen victim to for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to take the Colts to cover, even though I'm not a lot of confidence in Wentz right now. Yeah, I think the Colts haven't been great against the spread this year. They are playing teams really close, even the bad ones. I think it's just a primetime matchup with the Jets coming off a hot win. Definitely could blow this one, but... I'm going to, I think 10 and a half is just too much. Even if this was like nine and a half, just like the one point, like going from, you know, yeah. single to double digit to me is like, I feel like the Jets can keep this close. Like their defense, that, that's the thing is that you look at the Jets defense and they're actually not terrible. <laughs> so I think that they keep this somewhat close. So I'm going with the Jets. That's where I wanted to go. And you're right. Nine and I felt good about it at nine and a half. 10 and a half, I'm like, I will see. It's a pick for a guy trying to make up some ground. The Bengals also looking for a bounce back. We're on Sunday now. Cincinnati at home against the Cleveland Browns, who are coming back in. They can actually create a tie with the Bengals, um, and we'll see what the Ravens do also. So the Browns very much still in that AFC North race. I'm going to take the Bengals, though. These are two loser teams, so I'm sure... One or both of them is going to find a way to try to lose. But I like Cincy to bounce back. And I think right now they look like a more talented team, certainly on offense. Even in their loss, they scored over 30. Browns are not scoring 20 even in their wins. So I'll take Cincinnati in what could be an interesting game. Could also be 9-6. to six. I, I don't know what to expect. I think the Bengals come out in this one and are pissed after losing to the Jets. I think you could have this this spread be fucking... You could switch out the the spreads here from the Jets and the Colts game. I, like, I think you could get the Bengals at plus 10.5 and, and still be fine here. I'm going with the Bengals. It occurred... I'm not certain I said the line. Bengals favored by 2.5 points. So Bengals minus 2.5. Seth and I both on that one. Because Cleveland loves to suck at football. Dallas looking good after the Sunday night win. They're at home this week, and the Denver Broncos are coming to town. I started to say, assuming Dak is back, but maybe it doesn't matter. Um, maybe Brandon Rush can, can still cover this spread. It's a nine and a half point spread for the Cowboys. I'm going to take them to cover at home. I think this is a boat race quickly. Denver's outclassed. Yep, I'm going with the Cowboys on this one. It just seems like the Broncos are kind of turning in their season and maybe go on a bit of a, a losing streak uh, to get a better pick next year. So the Cowboys to dominate this one. Now to Miami. Dolphins 1-7 against the Houston Texans, also 1-7. This could have big-time first draft pick implications. So we'll see who's better at throwing a football game. 
I'm going to take the Dolphins here. They're favored by six and a half points, which is a little wide for me for comfort. But I got a good look at that Houston defense. And up until the fourth quarter, they had 70 yards against the Rams. So I'm not confident that they're going to score much. I know Miami's defense isn't great, but they did a pretty good job for at least a half against Buffalo. So uh, Miami for by a touchdown feels okay to me, even though I hate betting on this shitty Dolphins team. I'm actually going to go the opposite here. I'm going to go with the Texans. I think Ty God might be back on this one too. So we might get some get some Tyrod Taylor action in here. A funny stat is that through the, the two games that he played, he scored just as many touchdowns in the first five that Davis Mills played. I think Tyrod makes a bit of a difference on the offense. If he plays, that's where I'm going. If, if Davis Mills does happen to start again, I might switch us over to the Dolphins if I remember to. But for now, if Tyrod's playing, I'm going to go with the Texans. I reserve the right to switch based on Tyrod as well, because uh, nope. you're right that 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 offense. He's the only optimistic thing. Even even you can't even really be optimistic about Brandon Cooks because they're awful. Even though he scored like 20 fantasy points in the fourth quarter on garbage time <laughs> less last week, but not a lot of good stuff in Houston. New Orleans. The Saints are at home and they are playing the Falcons, who are coming in. Saints five and a half point favorites here. I am going to take them to cover this game. I I believe we are expecting Heineke to start. I think he'll do enough against a bad Atlanta defense. And I think the Saints are going to be swarming. They're going to know that they need to make some defensive plays. And I think they're going to have every opportunity to do that against a depleted Atlanta offense. So Saints by like 10 at home. Yep. I'm going to go with the Saints on this one too. Just, I mean, looking at that defense, no Calvin Ridley for the Falcons. It's weird because the Falcons do always play the Saints really well. And I would not be shocked if the Falcons, like if if the Saints win this on the last second, or even if the Falcons win just because of that whole quarterback situation. But I'm going to just go with the Saints on this one based off of that defense. New York Giants, after the Monday night loss, they're going home and the Raiders are coming to town. Las Vegas off of the bye at five and two are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take them to cover this one. I think they're going to do what the Chiefs could not and run over the Giants in their house uh, I like this as a win that that has the Raiders going, all right, LA, all right, KC, if you're going to leave the door open, we're walking through it. Yeah. Uh, it could could also be that flip around game where they start disappointing like we've been waiting on, but uh, I'm liking the Raiders. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders as well. A lot of controversy with the Raiders, but it just seems like they're fighting through it. Uh, Derek Carr has been a leader this year, and it seems like that team's running a little smoother lately since Gruden's gone, so I'm going with the Raiders. Our next game is in Carolina. The Panthers are home dogs, three and a half points against the Patriots, who we talked about uh, have been impressive lately. I am trying to see if we're expecting Christian McCaffrey. Matt Rule, the coach, this is as of Monday, said that McCaffrey will practice and hopefully play. So we'll see if he's back and if he's effective. I'm still going to take the Patriots. Actually, you know what? Even forget McCaffrey. I, I yeah. forgot one very important thing. Bill Belichick is playing against Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, Patriots by 100. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter if McCaffrey's playing or not. Patriots are on a roll, playing well. Belichick definitely has Darnold's number from all those days in, in uh, with the Jets. So, yeah, going with the Patriots in this one. Not Halloween anymore, but Darnold might be seeing ghosts again. We'll see. <laughs> the Bills are taking their show on the road. They head to Jacksonville. <sighs> we got another home dog here. <laughs> 14 double, and a half points. Double this still, and we would we'll be fine. <laughs> Bills by 100. I like Josh Allen for a monster what? game against the Jags and 10 sacks what? for the Buffalo defense on Trevor Lawrence. This one's going to be ugly fast. What is Vegas thinking? The Jaguars just lost to Geno Smith and the Seahawks by 20-some points. Like, 
Really? Josh Allen? You really don't well, think Josh Allen's like they're he, at he's home gonna... now though, Seth. You can you can sit oh, in the pool and watch woo. the game. Yeah, exactly. The, all all thirteen hundred fans there are gonna be real loud in this one. <laughs> All right, yeah, no, Bills Bills won this one by 40. I'm not going to beat on this one too much because I was already pretty critical of the Vikes, but the Vikes are traveling to Baltimore to play the Ravens. It's a five and a half point spread. If I hadn't just seen what I just saw, I would like this pick for the Vikes. There's a chance they, like I said, surprise and come get this win. Baltimore, though, coming off the bye, I like them to win by a touchdown here. So Baltimore minus five and a half. Yeah, the only hope here is that Lamar Jackson gets confused because of the jersey colors and throws you know a bunch of picks to the Vikings, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, th- I think the I think the Ravens probably run away with this one. So yeah, going going with the Ravens as well. Let's get to Philly. After the Eagles beat the absolute piss out of Detroit, <laughs> they go home where they are dogs, <laughs> two and a half point dogs to the L.A. Chargers. I'm going to try to will something into existence here, Seth. Take the Chargers to cover the two and a half and get back on track, get a very important home or road victory, and get this offense clicking again in Philly. I think this is going to be an ugly win for the Chargers. I, I think this is going to be a sloppy win for the Chargers, but I think they win um, by at least three points. I am double checking the line on this next game. <laughs> yeah, what it the fuck? Seems impossible. Green Bay, they're on the road. They will go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored in this game in Pigskin Pick'em by two and a half points. I'm getting Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Presumably, Devontae Adams is going to be back for this one. And I'm getting plus two and a half points. Easiest pick of the week. I did check yeah. FanDuel. You can get Packers plus one. Put everything you got on the Packers plus one this weekend. I It's Packers by 100. I would take this if it was Packers minus seven and a half. I'm getting <sighs> two, so I'll take them. Yeah, that's wild. I, I don't quite understand this one. Packers. Okay, so we go to San Francisco. Home dogs. <laughs> San Francisco plus two and a half against Arizona, who's coming to town. I'm going to make this my dart throw of the week and take San Francisco. I don't know why. It's just when I saw it, I thought... Yeah, I don't either. If Murray is limping a little bit, you know, you're not not 100% DeAndre Hopkins. San Francisco coming off the win. They finally got some offense going. Maybe you get George Kittle back in this game. I don't know. Maybe this is just me being hopeful again. But you can call it my dart throw of the week. Uh, I'll take the Niners plus two and a half at home nervously and sheepishly. Cardinals are 6-2 and two against the spread this season. One of the best teams against the spread. I will change this if Murray doesn't play, obviously. But I think he's going to play. And the Niners, while they looked better on offense, they're still terrible on defense. And they were better on offense against a bad Bears defense, who I believe Cleo Mack didn't play. I thought you were, I thought you were thinking uh, not emotionally <laughs> with your picks this week. Okay, so the Chargers pick was kind of emotional, but I also think it's the right pick. Yeah, And then the right pick. this one is th- those injuries. I Again, maybe this is hopeful. Arizona, a lot of injuries right now. Hopkins I don't feel like they should have lost that game against Green Bay. I, I'm i taking the chance that I'm early on the Arizona falling apart train. And if that makes me hopeful and emotional, that's okay. I'll take my one my one sure. shot at it this week to to uh, go back to my old way. And if I'm right about this, ooh, you're going to hear about it next week. <laughs> Hopkins has been on the injury report every single week <laughs> this season. And he caught two right. balls last week, and they lost. So it's, you know, it's a concern. All righty. Um, yeah, no Cardinals. You just want them to lose because you want the Rams to make up ground. I do. I do definitely want them to lose. That That is a factor here. But I also was thoroughly unimpressed by Arizona. And I've heard a lot of talk, even when they were 7-0, I, I have heard a lot of Arizona talk that's like, is this team real or are they just 7-0? and 
and uh, we'll see this weekend if they come in and yeah. if they come they back beat and the get Rams. it. Can, they did, yeah, on the, the easily the Rams' worst performance of the year. And so I, it was and last Thursday why. for the card. the The week before with the Cardinals, the week before they played the Packers, they dom. I can't remember who they played. It wasn't a great team, but they also did it without their entire coaching staff there and had oh, injuries Cleveland. that game as well. Cleveland, yeah, that's we that's a tough defense. Like, tough defense still. Cleveland gave up 40 to the Chargers the week before, and now we think the Chargers are terrible. I'm not saying Arizona's bad, and I like I, said, I recognize you that I'm, the, you think I'm the Niners editorializing, are good? and I'm editorializing this pick. No, but I know what the Niners are. Um, not good. <laughs> and, They're not good at football. And at home with like Kittle coming, I just think there's a chance that they get fired up. Kittle was highly game. mediocre leading up to when he got hurt. I recognize all this. I, I know these are all facts, but I'm and I'm not saying like the Niners are definitely going to win this game. I, I'm getting two and a half at home, and I think I I feel I have a spider sense. Maybe they don't even lose. Maybe it's just closer than what people are anticipating. By the way, FanDuel has this as Niners plus one. FanDuel is either being emotional or I've got something of a point here that this is a better matchup than it might look like initially. I'm very open to the possibility that it's a boat race and and I look very stupid for making this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll show you how unemotional I am, Seth. The Rams are at home Sunday night football. Carrie Underwood's going to fire us up at SoFi Stadium. It's a seven and a half point spread. Rams are favored at home. I would really have liked this at four and a half or five and a half. Seven and a half feels long. I really hope that the Rams just crush the Titans, but I think the Titans will do enough to keep it close. Like Rams by a touchdown feels like how this goes. It's hard for me to bet them to run this team over because the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC right now. So I like this to be closer, even though I do think that the Rams are the better team here and get the win. Uh, I just think the spread's a touch wide, even for this Rams fan. Yeah, I think I I agree with you on this one. I think... This I think this this line is accounting for a really big drop off with Henry being gone, and I don't think there's going to be as big of a drop off. And so I do think the Rams win this one, um, and probably win by like four. But I, th- I think the Titans would need to score a touchdown in the end to to win. But yeah, I, I think I think the Titans keep it pretty, relatively close with a, a fresh Adrian Peterson. I'll probably have a nightmare this week of him going for fucking 200 yards and three scores and beating my Rams. Um, I, mean, I hope that doesn't happen. But You've seen him run for at least 150 before. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just used to seeing him crush my guys. Um, <laughs> but that was in 2011. So Carrie <laughs> 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 and the gr- crew will have that Sunday game Monday night. The Mannings Fuck are going to be watched. I hope the Mannings They're are not. On. They are not. Oh, they have God. a bye week. So guarantee I will not be watching this shitty ass game. Well, thank goodness for... I'll be on a plane during this time. Monday Night Football is in Pittsburgh. I'm glad I'm missing it. The Bears are coming to town. Pittsburgh minus six and a half. I'm going to take them to cover, even though I think this is a low-scoring game. This may be like a 20 to seven, because I think Steelers will get just enough offense, and I think they're really going to be chasing fields around, and they'll get him to make a couple of mistakes here. So I am going to take the Steelers to cover in a game I refuse to watch. Watt will probably get a strip sack score in this one um, at some point. Yeah, no, I'm going with I'm going with the Steelers in this one. Really, fuck ESPN and the schedule makers for making this the last game of the week on Monday night. This, what the fuck are they doing? The Giants and the Giants and Chiefs. When the Chiefs were good, when would that have been a good matchup? Really, you, you, Monday night football. You're gonna watch. At the time, they thought the Chiefs fucking dominate the Giants. Ooh, that's fun. And then they do this matchup: the Steelers and the Bears. Who what the fuck are people thinking right now? 
And maybe someone who works for NBC is making the Monday Night Football yeah. schedule. And they're like, let's just really fucking get let's rid of Monday Night Football. keep throwing the worst matchups at them. What I thought they were doing with the, the Manning cast was like, the worst match of the week, let's have the Mannings talk over it. And no, <laughs> they aren't doing that this week. They gave them a week off on probably the worst matchup of Monday Night Football we've had so far. I'm now being told that they wanted the Mannings to go and they refused. I'd rather watch Peyton Manning eat chicken for four straight hours in this goddamn matchup. Yeah, that's true. Maybe just give me Marshawn Lynch alone watching this game. Yeah. That I'd way rather see. By the way, over-under for that game is 40. Uh, it's the lowest I've seen in a long Yuck. time. And I don't even, it's not even an easy, <laughs> it's not even an easy one to bet the over on. Shit, actually, FanDuel likes, it's minus 110 whether you're over or under. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in They'd this be right. one. So they will not going to be scoring a lot of ratings either. Unless it's 40 to nothing. I, I don't think that's getting hit. But Steelers can't score 40, or Ben's arm will fall off. So Hopefully the Rams game's good, so we can just pretend the week ended on Sunday. But that is our full slate. It's coming right for us! Doing any money line uh, parlays there? I didn't no. see a lot of attractive bets this week. Nope. I think we've kind of settled in on some of those. But I'll probably be doing some teasers and stuff again, so more to come there. Hopefully it's a better week. But, man, I haven't won a dime in fucking daily fantasy yet. Only had a couple parlays and been screwed over on a bunch of my teasers with one game. So, yeah, not a great first half of the season with betting. Let's see if we can turn it around. That's what I'm saying. Let's see if we can flip this bitch around. If the Vikings um, keep losing, I, sh- I should win some goddamn money. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, you got to spread the luck. What I think is good about that is it means that there's been good parity. And, like, you know, we can't all, like, the thing we expect or the thing that, like, the analysts tell, like, we're getting surprised in a lot of ways. And that's cool in one way. But uh, we'd also like to make some bank as well. So, hey, favorites, maybe a cover. That'd be pretty fucking cool. I'm pretty much hanging my whole hat this week on the Niners at this point. So probably not going to be a good week for me. And with our game previews behind us, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up in just one sec. But first... One more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I guess I will highlight for my one more thing. Cooper Rush, the Mike Whites, the Trevor Simeons. I just, I, I, I love that about football, that that can happen. And I know it happened to your Vikes and that sucks, but like the Cooper Rush thing, they showed his family in the stands. They were interviewing him afterwards. You could tell he was getting emotional. The team is so pumped up. You're rallying around the guy and you get those stories that I think are part of what makes football so fun. My girlfriend and I watched the Sunday night game. We cried when we were looking at Cooper Rush in his uh, interview afterwards. And I just love that football can still do that. I've been watching it for 20 fucking years now. And that we still have stories like that is is, is cool to me. So I guess uh, last congratulations to Cooper Cooper Rush and, and the Cowboys and all the other backups and, and fill-ins and all those other guys. Unexpected stories. You forget there's a lot of really good fucking athletes out there who never got a chance. I see a guy like that take advantage of their opportunity. It probably doesn't mean he's a franchise quarterback, but he'll always have that memory. And, and that was a fun one to see, unless you were you know, a fan of the Vikes. But even so, I love those little heartwarming opportunities that guys take advantage of. So that and uh, go Rams. Rams stink. My one more thing is uh, kind of building off the Manning cast. Again, you know, because we have such, such shitty matchups lately, it's been fun to watch the Manning cast. And I think we've gotten the best guest so far, and that was John Stewart who is a diehard Giants fan, he did exactly everything you need to do being a guest on Manning Cast, and that's come in, one, be funny, made those guys laugh, two, let Peyton and Eli talk football, don't talk over them, just let, if there's a play that comes up, let them talk football, and three, know what you're talking about. He was like calling out run pass options, he was talking about play from like 
the how the Giants have been playing from the last couple of weeks and asking Eli questions about what he thought about the Giants. It seems like everyone else is very self-centered, which, yeah, if you're a guest on the show, you're probably going to want to talk about yourself. John Stewart was loving being there talking football with Peyton and Eli and then also cracking him up. So I think he's the blueprint for the Manning cast because it just seems like they've had some issues with like timing and some of the connection and then bringing on guests that have no idea what they're talking about and or just want to talk to Peyton and Eli about random bullshit when Peyton's getting mad at what's going on the screen because there's bad football being played, which again, sucks for him because he's seen a lot of bad fucking football this year and he gets very upset when he sees it. Hopefully we get more guests like Jon Stewart uh, and they bring in people who actually care about the game. Either that, uh, we just get no guests and Peyton and Eli can talk and Peyton can just chow down on some chicken. I don't even have, I don't have the context for the inside joke, oh, but uh, it sounds like maybe so, there's some chicken. <laughs> basically at half, so they, they, you know, at halftime, they're not on the screen, like the halftime report or whatever, like the, you know, the normal crew, they bring in them on. And they come back from, from break. Eli's like, hey, Peyton, we got we got a little bit of footage from halftime. And they pull up Peyton, and he's just sitting in his spot where he was watching the game. And he's he's just housing some fucking chicken. <laughs> just absolutely. He's not like Eli goes, are you even breathing? He, no fork, no knife, just hand, chicken in hand, and just going absolute apeshit on it. It's awesome. And Eli's just giving him shit the whole time about it. And Peyton's basically like, come on now. We no HIPAA laws for TV. We're just showing everything. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is fun. God, should he have been using a fork and knife or was this like a drumstick? <laughs> I don't know. It looked like a breast or, uh, you know, like something like that. I mean, it definitely looked like there. you could use. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a drum or a wing. I don't think it was a pretty solid piece of chicken. I guess that's how you get to, you know, be 6'6", 230, or whatever the fuck his playing weight was. Good old country boys enjoying some chicken, and <laughs> we're enjoying Jon Stewart and the underdogs this week for one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks. Midway through the season, just about. We'll be back next week as we cross that threshold. If your team is in the dumps, don't worry. There's still some hope out there for a team to make a run. If your team is... Seven and one, don't get too excited because NFL humbles folks pretty quickly, as, as we've all come to learn. But we've got some good games this weekend, so hopefully everyone enjoys the football weekend. If you find a way to make some money, we could use some tips, guys. So drop in the comments, let us know what bets you're playing and what is hitting this weekend. You can also hit the link, come join our Pigskin Pick'em. Chances are you'll be better than me at it, uh, if last week was any indication. While you're out there, uh, don't forget to drop by sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Everything from Socially Constipated can be found out there. We'll be back with Entertainment Outhouse and, of course, Socially Constipated coming soon. But for now, time to wrap up this episode of Gridiron Grunts. For Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael, and we will see you next time. Bye.